being able to give away control or at least some of the control is is so strongly conflicting with our like long learned narrative about a strong leader that it's really really hard for us to to do that Hey there and welcome to the Leadership Sprouts podcast. In today's episode, we want to introduce the Heidi principles to you. What they mean and why we believe they form the foundation of sustainable leadership. Before diving deep into them, we outline the increase of complexity in the business world. We discuss the circumstances that have changed, especially the access to and flow of information and how a shift in leadership aims for a more efficient information processing machine. Thanks for listening in. So super exciting to talk to you today. Um, you asked me to not um, ask you. I knew. I knew <laughs> they would play it this way. How you are. So, um, yeah. So the last time, actually, when we um, had our podcast, we were talking about what people could expect from us. And we mentioned on the one hand side to bring people together and to connect them, but on the other hand side, also to give them a sort of structure. And what we did in the past couple of weeks is to write down some principles, which are the famous Heidi principles. <laughs> And those principles were something where we thought when we talk about sustainable leadership, this is what it is fundamentally about. It's, I think you agree it's not everything. But it's our try, our attempt to define a basis of our ideas. And they are called the Heidi Principles. Maybe you can explain why they're called the Heidi Principles. And then we could start to dive into the first one. Okay. So, you know, I'm always a fan of um, building a framework to be able to discuss about things and The problem with the framework is always that um, it's an abstraction and it's um, it's a vast simplification, you know. And, and usually the words don't say so much actually more. But at the end, it's always good to to have a framework to discuss about things. And what we try to do here, I think, is that we try to make it independent from like our Trivago experience. So we did not want to come up with like values or something like that. And And just copy what we did before. Um, also, because we think that every company should develop their own values, and there is no fundamental values that you should uh, go along. So we try to find something which is more universal, I would say, than than values are. Um, so I would rather say it's uh, developments uh, where we see, okay, things are today fundamentally different than they have been before. And basically, that's a way how leadership reacts to these fundamental changes. And of course, um, I'm, we are happy to discuss about that, how universal they really are. Yeah, but uh, but it's a start. It's a start for a discussion. And um, and as a framework, always needs kind of a fancy fancy name. Uh, we said, okay, um, you know, actually, 
uh, we go with an acronym and we go with uh, Heidi principles. So uh, um, Heidi principles, let's see if I can get them together. So it's uh, H, which for us is uh, humbleness and diversity. It's E, which is empowerment. It's I, uh, which, which is uh, intrinsic motivation. It's D, like dynamic capabilities. And it's I, again, like identity. Um, and of course, these words have been used a lot and for many people, so they don't tell you so much. But I think it's more important uh, what's behind them. Yeah, that's true. You said in the beginning, and maybe before we jump into humbleness and diversity, you said in the beginning, we needed to have a framework that defines how leadership has to react to certain changes that you observe in the world and more specifically in the in the business world. I think one big assumption that we do um, also when when describing the different principles is that you know the way uh, the way how we work and the way how value is generated got way more complex. And I think it's worth to take the time to explain maybe roughly on what actually got more complex. Because it can be used as a bus, right? It can be used to explain everything. You know, everything got so complex. We have to change something now. Mm. Um, and maybe it's worth to explain a bit more or showcase a bit more what has actually gotten different and, and more com complex. You know, I think I think you can, to make it very easy, I think you can first come from your personal observation. So I think a lot of people especially when you're around for a little bit longer, you will see that from your own experience, the world around you got more complex for you. You know, got, um, there's way more grayscale and way less black and white. And so I think it's, first of all, it's something that if you would ask 100 people, I think the vast majority uh, would say the world in the last 10 years became more complex for them. So I think it's important to look at observation first, right? So I think it, it's something that is 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 basically reflecting our day-to-day -day observation, and then we can see like where where's coming from. So why what, what's the reason for that? What's the reason why why we perceive the world around us as uh, more complex? I think it's two-sided. On one on one side, I think there is a real thing. So it's not only a perceived complexity. I think the world is more complex, and and especially when you when you're looking at Not only, but especially when you're looking at the business world. I think when it's, it's always helpful to go a little bit, to look at longer time frames, you know, of, um, of developments. And, and basically, even if you then break these longer time frames down in smaller chapters, then you still have the same development, but you basically see it better when you have a longer time frame. And when you see, for example, developments like, um, like specialization, right? So... Mm -hmm. When you when you go back back in the days, you know, like um, I don't know, twenty thousand or ten thousand years ago, um, then basically, uh, like like people were more or less everybody was doing the same things, right? So everybody had had the same kind of like uh, job to do, which was um, basically gathering and hunting, and um, and that's that was that was it. And then with the agricultural revolution, you know, people started to specialize. They started to you know, um, just grow wheat or just uh, grow grapes or whatsoever, right? So they started to specialize. And this specialization basically went on, went on, went on, went on, and became more and more and more specialized. So 
um, people um, stopped you know farming themselves that other people farming for the for them then they were that just trading the products and so on and so on so and this is something that we see still see happening today right so we break out businesses that specializing on something we break apart value chains uh, where we focus on just like part of the value chain and because we do that because we specialize more and more um, there's more and more interaction necessary right so people have to interact way more and that is the development uh, still still ongoing. So the more we break value chains apart, the more we buy goods at one place, uh, bring them to another place, and that you know do some kind of work with them, and then you know ship them to another place again. I think that makes things generally physically more complex. Mm -hmm. and, right. and and coordination of that, right? So this is also what you can see that coordination of yeah. those organizations yeah. became more complex. I think that's another part, right? So on the on the other side you're having larger organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So you're having you're having more organizations, you're having larger organizations. And these larger organizations become internally more complex to organize. You know, the larger organization is, the more complex it becomes to organize. Right? That's the, that's the other part. So you're having on one hand hand you have a specialization, on the other side you're having having increasing uh, size of organizations. And then you're having also um, on the th third part is um, that you basically have more or less one global market, right? So you still have local markets, but those local markets basically get more and more challenged and um, there's very few really local markets. So you always have global players in these markets. So in, when, when you know, I was competing like I don't know, hundred years ago, I was competing then with uh, I don't know with maybe the other shoe shoemakers from my city, and uh, and that was it, right? But today you're basically competing with a company on the other side of the world, and that mm -hmm. of course is making things more complex because you just have more players in the market, more people you compete with, more more people you have to interact with. So we have uh, basically these three things. Probably we have even more, but they really drive complexity in the business world and then um, I think you have something which is might be even more important um, and that is that additionally to that um, exponentially increasing complexity you have exponentially increasing information about that exponentially increasing complexity what do you mean by that <laughs> um, so if you could still pretend that you know you don't have to personalize the website because everybody behaves the same, right? You could still pretend that because you didn't have information that people like like react differently. Today, you jo you know that every person is reacting differently, mm -hmm. and you have the the technological capabilities to personalize. So you're driven into more complexity, yeah, and and uh, and that is information driven. So information more information. Um, shows us that in a decision that we might have taken easily 20 years ago is today way harder to take. It's way harder to take because, because you just have more information because it's not so easy anymore. You can do better. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, of course, you, you know, the, the result would be the same, but, but today the problem is you can do better and that puts pressure on you because you can potentially do better and somebody does. You know, somebody does do better than you by looking at information, right? So knowing more 
at all times as well knowing more at all times so what you knew yesterday might be outdated tomorrow yeah so revision of decisions is also very different you have a new information today uh, than you had yesterday so it's way less stable so so and that is really like massively like you see an explosion basically of of decisions of inform um, information and then information drives decisions and um th that is really turning and that's what we believe in this is really this development is really turning a lot of things upside down so a lot of a lot of things that worked in decision making in the past um, are just not working today anymore because there's so much more complexity and there's so much more information around this complexity that in, at the end helps us to take better decisions, but also puts us into the pressure to take better decisions. And this is, and this is why we think also leadership has to change and has to adapt to actually serve those changes in complexity to build better businesses, to be able to at least take smarter decisions than you would without changing your approach to leadership. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you go down to, to the base level, um, I, you know, I, I think basically what you can observe is that organization which can work with information better than others usually succeed. And, um, and that is, is true for, for systems, for, for countries and governments and, and for businesses. So basically an, a system that can process information better than another system is always superior and will at the end win. So if you want to create the most successful company, the idea is that you create a system that is the most successful in your area to process information. And the question is just what, what kind of leadership is necessary to process information in the, in the best possible way. And I think that, that is the basis. And, and when, when the structure of the information changes and the, and the amount of information changes, of course, the best possible way to process it has also to change. And I, and I, I think that's why we're looking at leadership as an information process machine from, I don't know, 50 or 100 years ago. And the information process machine has to change. Like the leadership has to change and our organizations have to change because it's just not, it's not that easy anymore. And the leadership that we saw 50, 100 years ago, so 50, 200 years ago, was more the, let's say, controlling leadership style, like more what, what, makes it different to what we want to see in organizations or what we think should be now adapted to organizations? I would say in the absence of information, the person who's giving direction is always superior to a system where you have no direction. Meaning moving somewhere is on average better than not moving at all. So, so when you when you don't have information, and, 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 and that's how we look at things, right? When we look backward and look at strong leaders, of course, we have a survival bias. So we only see the strong ones. You know, we don't see the, the, the weak leaders who have not survived. But, but at the end, of course, um, like in, in the moment where, where you have basically very, very limited information, it's, it's always better to, to take a step forward, right? And, 
And I think, I think that is, so, so we are not used to, uh, to an information processing machine. We are used to somebody saying move, right? And I think that worked quite a long time. And I don't even say that it doesn't work today anymore. It, it, it still works in, 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 in specific situations or also in specific environments. But I think we are not very reflective if it works all the time. So we, and, and, and I, I think that our business world today is still a lot influenced by older narratives of, of leadership. And the example that I make often here is that um, I say that like, larger companies are not there for a long time, actually. It's a very new thing. So they were not, something like a company um, doesn't exist for a long time. I think in the, in the 1600, something like that, I would say. And uh, where the first like larger organizations started to existing and then through the industrial revolution, um, this, this, this got um, accelerated, this development. So before there were no large organizations, so there were no large companies. Um, and when, when f the first larger companies were created, I think that the only other organization that had the same size in these times was, was the military. So what we basically did was we took whatever we learned from the military and we transferred it to the business world. And, and then I think we stopped reflecting about it. So, so what, what it means is, okay, we still have our, our president and our vice president and executive vice. So we still have our hierarchies and our like, you know, like shoulder badges that, that we carry with us, uh, making them visible to everybody. And we, we, we still kind of think that the, the, the guy on the top always knows everything best. And most of the time it's a guy on the top. <laughs> I think it's also something we took over from mm -hmm. from these times, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, it also showed how how different information flow was going or what was needed. You know, when we talked about the military, I remember our discussion where where we said, okay, that that made totally sense that there was back then one person who would take the decision and all the information was brought up. And this guy then had to take the decision and then transfer the information down. So actually the soldiers were in pure execution mode, but and, they And they had to be, right? Because because be, because yeah. when you when you were you 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 should not reflect if you know the basically moving forward in a battle is now something meaning smart meaning do. smart <laughs> to do, right? Because um, it would probably mean that you were dying there, right? So so and and reflection at that point was was for the survival of the larger thing was a, a bad thing mm -hmm, <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. yeah and we took that over and this also means or tells you how information was flowing in organizations who would apply this um the system right so there was one guy at the top you had workers in your in your factory And they were simply like executing, and 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 it yeah. was and it was also yeah. that was that why it was also working, you know, for 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 a long time, you know, because that was the same the same way of how information was structured, right? So so a single worker basically did not have the full overview of the information, like he did not know like why he should do something. So 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 he 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 was not able to question that, and he would probably also have. Inf uh, taken an inferior decision, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, um, see, of course, he had the knowledge of. He probably also know like uh, what he the, the step he does 
how he could have done that better. So there was probably information, like uncodified information of the things that somebody else did not know. But on the other hand, the, the, all the other information was not there, and that was by far outweighing it, right? So he could not know like really what to improve and how to there was improve. no big picture the big picture was missing yeah. right and 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 that is of course like this this information structure completely changed mm -hmm. right because of the availability of information right so when when you have now i don't know you have a product team and then basically everybody in the product team knows exactly like like how every single test is going you know how how the people are reacting so it's it's just up on you basically to get any information about what you're doing. So so and 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 at the end, you you have definitely an information superiority because because you have all the codified information available anyway because everybody can use the codified information. So everything that is available in tools and systems and so on, everybody can use that. Plus you have the uncodified mm -hmm. information. That ha that you have basically because you are you're doing what you're doing and you you, you have your experience you. you have expertise and experience and you 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 just have things that are getting not into the systems right mm -hmm. and and so so you have basically um, at the bottom of whatever you know system you have you have the the information superiority and you have a high degree of specialization and now basically. What, what happens is that the information basically moving up the ladder, you know, gets worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. So, so while the, the, the general was still the most knowledgeable person, you know, like the CEO of today is the least knowledgeable person. Yeah. So the knowledge basically by traveling upwards gets, so the, the, uncodi the uncodified information mm -hmm. gets, gets, gets less and less and less. And that's of course coming. With, like it's, it's it's very dangerous. But we never. I think we never really thought about it. You know, we still sit in strategy meetings, and you know, and and it's not a strategy about like where our troops move. And 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 you know who is sitting in strategy meetings most of the time. So it's also interesting, you know, who you have in in, in strategy meetings, and it's it's. It's the generals, it's it's the CEOs, and and the next um, level of an organization, and often it's in uh, strategies. Um, Hopefully not, you know. I mean, um, I would say in most I, in most companies. I, ideally, ideally, a strategy, you know, is is brought bottom up, you know, or yeah. at least a lot of the information is brought um, bottom up, but but. Um, But I think what we're mostly seeing, to be honest, what you're mostly seeing, and I would not exclude myself there, is is a top-down process, yeah, uh, where you not really let everybody participate, you know, in that process of of idea generation and and um, process of um, gathering information, idea generation. So so it it's still this process of okay, I'm. You know, I'm I'm sitting here, so somebody expects a, st a strategy from me. It's also driven by expectations, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, sure, right? So sure. I'm I'm you know I'm the leader, so I should come up with a strategy and I should come up with the best ideas. And I'm completely unable to do that, you know. And I think I think it's that's important to realize I'm not able to do that. So even even as the smartest person in the world, the larger an organization gets, the more I'm not able to come up with those ideas. 
Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Um, I really enjoyed the discussion. I think we had some really good, um, good insights um, in this episode. And I'm looking forward to talk to you next time about the first principle of humbleness and diversity. Cool. Cool. See you then. Bye.